Hello, witchy friends. Welcome to Cat Steen Witchcraft. My name is Fauna, and I am your host. This podcast is for those who are Wiccan, witches, and everything in between. Don't forget to follow the podcast social media pages at Cats Tea and Witchcraft on Instagram, Cats Tea and Witch on Twitter, and Cats Tea and Witchcraft Podcast at gmail.com. Again, thank you for listening to Cats Tea and Witchcraft and enjoy the episode. Hello, witchy peeps. Welcome back to the podcast. This is episode 106. And today's episode is on the Yule Goat. Before we get into that fun topic for the Yule season, we are going to talk about this week's crystal, which is Rose Quartz. Starting on page 32 of Simply Crystals by Cass and Janie Jackson, it says, Rose Quartz has been regarded as a gentle stone, producing tranquility, love, and reconciliation and is known to have been in use at least since 2500 BC. The Romans and Egyptians used powdered rose quartz in cosmetics in the belief that it could prevent wrinkles and produce flawless complexion. Then on page 50, it says for rose quartz, attracts and teaches love, gives comfort, relieves griefs, and promotes harmonious relationships. And then on page 108, rose quartz is popularly known as the love stone, though it is also called the American ruby in the Mont Blanc ruby. It is mined in South Africa, Brazil, Japan, Madagascar, and North and South America. Rock shops usually sell rose quartz as a tumbled stone, though larger pieces are available rough and unpolished, whichever form it takes. This crystal comes in a beautiful shade of soft pink, though some are so pale as to be almost white. This crystal is easily obtained from rock shops, often as jewelry. Rose quartz is believed to enhance the wearer's appreciation of beauty. It is a very positive stone and is thought to overcome negative thoughts and attitudes. This crystal is still believed to possess soothing qualities, but it was once thought to be so powerful that aggressive people could not survive in its presence. This is the stone of unconditional love and peace. The second book I have for Rose Quartz is The Essential Guide to Crystals by Simon and Sue Lily on page 208. It says, Rose Quartz, this crystal, one of the most valued quartz varieties, is renowned for its delicate pink tone. The impurities of titanium or manganese that give it this hue also prevent the growth of large individual crystals, which means it is usually found in massive form. Most rose quartz these days come from Brazil, but there are also sources in India, Madagascar, and the United States. In healing work, the stone encourages the heart to open, bringing more trust and love into our lives. It has some keywords for rose quartz, and it says love, emotion, and release. For magic, fosters an appreciation of beauty, inspires feelings of love and friendship. For healing, rapidly releases emotional stress and uncovers the underlying causes of other problems such as negative self-image. The next book is Love is in the Earth by Melody and starting on page 570, it says for Rose Quartz. 
It emits a calming, cooling energy, which can work on all of the chakras to generally remove negativity and to reinstate the loving, gentle forces of love. Rose quartz is essentially helpful at the locations of the heart and the crown chakras. The energy is soft and silky, producing a gentleness from without in from within the user. It has been known as a stone of gentle love, bringing peacefulness and calm to relationships. It promotes receptivity to the beauty of art, music, and written word, enlivening imagination, and representing a young, warm love. And the last book I have is Llewellyn's Complete Book of Correspondences. And for Rose Quartz, you can find it on page 242. It says for Solar System, Venus, Zodiac, Cancer, Capricorn, Libra, and Taurus. Celebration, Ostara. Energy, Yin. Direction, Southwest. For Tarot, Empress, and Lovers. For God, Angus. Full moons, January and May, day, Friday. Element, water, chakras, heart and sacral, number seven, goddess Venus. For issues, intentions, and powers, it says acceptance, activate and awaken, aggression, emotional balance, beginnings, calm, charity, comfort, compassion, confidence, death, emotions, energy, faith, fertility, fidelity, freedom, friendship, gentleness, grief, happiness, harmony, healing, heartbreak, imagination, improving self-image, justice, loneliness or to end loneliness, love or to attract or open to love, to break a negative self-image, Nurture, optimism, peace, power, pregnancy and childbirth, protection, relationships, romance, self-work, sorrow, stress, success, and unity. So that is all I have for you today on Rose Quartz. Now on to today's main topic on the Yule Goat. So before I get into this topic, really, I want to have a little bit of a disclaimer. The information I'm providing today for this episode is based on limited information I collected from the internet and other various sources. Since I have limited exposure to the history and use of the Yule Goat as an American who has very limited experience with Northern European and Scandinavian traditions and beliefs, my perspectives on the topic and information I am providing to you today, like I said, is very limited. And like most episodes in general, I'm only giving you the bare bones and providing you just enough to kind of roll with it and then to do your own research if it is a topic you are interested in. So some of the stuff I might provide hopefully is as accurate as possible, or I hope all of it is as accurate as possible, But if there are some pieces are missing and you are from those areas that really do use the Yule Goat, I'm sorry if maybe I misinterpret or maybe leave some things out. That is not my intention, but I can only provide so much information within short episodes that are really only to kickstart the topic for people who are interested in. I did my best to find as many sources online that I thought were legit from sources 
like websites or blogs and videos that are from people from those Northern European and Scandinavian areas. So hopefully the information that I got from them are as accurate as possible to a point because I know there are various types of traditions that are associated with many topics and this one is not exempt from that. So now the Yule Goat. The Yule Goat is said to have had pagan origins with continued evolution and uses into Christian Europe. Today, like I said, I wanted to go over the suspected influence of the Yule Goat and its evolution and the stories associated. The Yule Goat that many see nowadays, though, is represented by various decorations, and one of the most popular ones being a straw goat bound with ribbon, and most commonly being red ribbon. The tradition is popular in Scandinavian countries and Northern Europe. Yule goat is used during the Christmas Yule festivities time of the year from mid-December up to certain points into January and even maybe a little further past that. And I say that because there are different sources that say Yule is on the winter solstice or it's on the 24th or that it's from the solstice to the first, and then other sources say actually Yule is from the beginning of January or from the 6th to the 7th of January. So when you celebrate Yule and when different traditions use it, and specifically if they use the Yule go, it may be slightly different in the timeline towards the end of the year into the beginning of the new year because the Yule Goat and Yule in general and a lot of pagan influences and pagan traditions have evolved over time if it was just naturally within pagan communities or because of the influence of Christianity within Europe, etc. There are going to be different bits of information that you find because in all honesty, many traditions over the years and centuries, etc., don't stay the same forever. And that also includes dates and when and how things are celebrated. So the Yule Go and Yule is not exempt to that. So if you do research on Yule, you will find those discrepancies on when people say it really is. Are they following the Viking tradition? Are they following the more modern kind of wheel of the year tradition? Or are they doing their own thing based on their personal opinion and what they like? So now coming back around to the Yule Goat, the first really dive into this is what are some of the influences or stories that essentially influence the popularity and the use of the Yule Goat or some of the strong points on why the goats are so commonly associated with Yule and Christmas. One of those influences comes with the concept of the god Thor and his chariot of goats. There is a story in the Prose Eda, and also might be poetic, but I have used the reference from the Prose Eda, and it says that in one of the stories that Thor was traveling with Loki and stayed with a family one night so they could sleep. But during that stay, he sacrificed his goats to eat and shared it with the family that he was staying with and that the next day he used his hammer to bring them back to life. And like I said, I used the prose Eda 
to reference that specific story. And also, because of the time of year that Yule is in, astrologically, it falls within Capricorn. And Capricorn, obviously, is a goat. One of the descriptions of this says, the Yule goat's origins go back to ancient pagan festivals. This event clearly marks the sun's annual re-entry into the astrological sign of Capricorn, and a kid goat sacrifice was made in honor of the Norse god Njord, or Saturn, the god of agriculture and plentitude who rules this particular sign. The cornice element of Capricorn's name refers to the cornucopia, or horn of plenty, which is promise of a bountiful harvest to come. Another bit of influence that is associated with the Yule goat is in ancient Proto-Slavic belief of Kuliata festivals that honors the god of the fertile sun and the harvest. And it says that that god is Devak, or also known as Dazbog, and he is represented by a white goat. And the festivals always essentially had a person dressed as a goat and would demand offerings in the form of presents. The next little bit of tidbits on the Yule Goat I have is activities that people would do associated with the Yule Goat throughout history. So besides people making, collecting, and having straw goats as a representative for the Yule Goat, there are some other things that they would do throughout history to show honor to said Yule Goat in a few different ways. One activity that has been done or had been done was called Yule Bucking, which is when people would dress up as a goat, wander their neighborhoods, and depending on the story, some would wander just around the neighborhoods causing trouble, getting fed candy and alcohol and food, and other stories, they would enter people's homes, cause some trouble, eat, drink, harass the homeowners in good fun, and in some cases, if the Yule Goat came to your home, that was seen as a sign for good luck into the new year. It is said that Yule Bucking was a pre-Christian practice that over the years did get modified by Christians, but from the research I have done, it might still be practiced within small communities and families, but overall, most of the practice or large use of this practice might have died out of popularity. A active thing that is found in Sweden involving the Yule Goat is the building of giant straw goats in towns, but the specific one I'm going to reference is the, the Yelvin Goat, which is located in Yelvin, Sweden, and this goat has been built since the 1960s, but unfortunately many of the goats over the years were burnt or destroyed or attempted to have been destroyed. I'm not sure if people see this as a game or a rite of passage or don't like the Yule Goat. I don't know. I saw different speculations online, but it is said that the Yule Goats are usually around 40 feet tall and are pretty famous and get a lot of attention for the town. And it is said as of 2019, the goats have been damaged 37 times since their first creation in the 1960s. And the last one I have to reference is the concept of 
Krampus runs or Krampus parades. These are when people dress up as Krampus. They eat, they drink, they roam the streets. People celebrate, towns celebrate. And it is said that this has kind of originated within the past few decades to help preserve the cultural heritage of Krampus and the time of year. And one specific place that Krampus runs or parades are done in is in Munich. And the last little bit of information on the Yule Goat is Yule Goat inspired characters. I, of course, just referenced Krampus because he is said to be associated or inspired by the Yule Goat. And if those don't know who Krampus is, Krampus is a horned, scary figure based out of Central and the Eastern Alpine Europe and is used as a way to scare children into behaving in what essentially aid who we see as Santa or St. Nicholas by making sure children were behaving, and if they weren't, they would either be punished or he would eat them. And this would occur during the early parts of December around St. Nicholas's Day and was believed to have originated in Germany, possibly around the 12th century. The second one is the Yulebuck, and it is a character that was said to have had origins from around the 1600s and would roam the countrysides, scaring Christians and demanding offerings, but was later evolved and seen as a gift giver and associated with Yultmolten, which is said to be a Swedish version of Santa or Saint Nicholas. And also, there is said there is a spirit that is represented or known in Sweden of a goat that would visit people's homes to make sure that their Yule or Christmas decorations were prepared or done correctly. So that is all I have for you today on the Yule Goat, and then I guess a little bit of snippets on information on Yule in general. It just comes with the territory because it's called the Yule Goat. But I hope you guys enjoy this episode. I'm actually recording this episode on the winter solstice on December 21st. So I feel like that's kind of cool. And I'm kind of glad I waited. And I'm also going to be posting it on the solstice tonight. So I hope all of you guys who are either listening tonight or in the future or whenever you end up listening to this episode, I hope you have a very happy winter solstice and or Yule if you are celebrating it today. Like I say every week, I appreciate every single one of you, and I will talk to you guys next week. Have a great one. Blessed be. Blessed be.